UBC proudly presents Devil Dan. From the beachside studio near the happiest place on earth, the original Disneyland, we bring you MiceCast with your host, Greg and Shaft. entry we've never had anything quite like that before it's a little different yeah i don't know yeah. who that guy was that was an interesting voice just just somebody that was walking through i guess yeah we just grabbed them off the off beach the street, street yeah, and yeah, said yeah, get, that, get the hell in here that, that just goes to show you got a lot of talent out here in southern california more so than other places well that is true there yes. are stars on every corner you know that's how they pick them they just grab on the corner and say hey we're gonna make you a star and they'll pull you in and put you right on the movie yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so anyways uh, BS. <laughs> the bat or, or mike as he likes to be called i guess is not with us tonight. It's just Shaft and I. I'll <laughs> he's try out. to refrain from saying pole man, though. He's, he's that, out on the river trek again. Yeah, sucker. It's all he ever does. Well, next week you won't be here. I won't be you here. You will no. be in uh, Yosemite. Yosemite. Yosemite, uh, yes. Uh, otherwise known as Yosemite, California. Yes. Which you've never been to in your life, which surprises me greatly since you like to spelunk and drive off on roads that go all nowhere. That. Yeah. It surprises me that you've I've, never been there. I've been all around the area. I just never have actually well, gone. You theoretically, in there. you've been to Yosemite National Park. You've never been in the valley. I've never been in the valley. Correct. I've driven. You you drove a, through the, kind the of, outskirts, yeah, kind of like yeah. in one gate, out one gate, without ever getting to the valley. Yeah, I did. Uh, who's that? The type. I did a Jimmy Carter of Yosemite. Yeah. Well, you know. You said you liked to we the other night. See, when you were here last week, we watched the space station and shuttle fly over here in, yeah. in <laughs> Southern California. I guarantee you. Now it is bear season, but if you want to go lay in the fields like we did when I was up there for some CAD training uh, near the Awani, you could just lay down and watch satellites go over. It's oh, yeah. clear enough that you just I mean, see this stuff going on. That's when I first started doing it. Was when I was up on the Kern River, yeah. but um, camping out there. But uh, the one thing I'm looking forward to is next week is the big meteor shower. Oh, yeah. I always look to a big look forward to a big media shower. Yeah. So that's what I'm looking forward to is uh, we'll be able to see all that going on. All right. Well, we got one piece of mail. We're well, we have more than one piece of mail, but we're we only going mail, to talk about one piece of mail, and then we're going to get into some Al Putz bashing. Uh, we got a mail, and Richard, would you like to go ahead and read that? Yeah, uh, this is uh, from Gerb. It says he sends a picture with this, and he says, "I believe you, I believe you're speaking of the maple box on the recent monorail episode. Not exciting, but attached is a pics a uh, pic of the maple box of the Walter E. Disney locomotive at WDW. Now, again, we mentioned this before. If you take a look at this picture down at the bottom, it says manufactured by Mapo." a division of 
Walt Disney Productions, which right there dates it pre-1984. Um, but Mapo is the manufacturing arm of Disney. Mapo was named after, of course, Mary Poppins, which the proceeds helped build the facility. But Mapo is a manufacturing. It's not the Mapo box. This might be... Uh, in fact, I'm trying to read what the rest of it says up on the top there. Oh, it's, it says test procedure, press button, blah, blah. It's, you know, it's... It's a, it's a box that has to do with safety systems, and this came up again because of the monorails. But it, it is um, it is not – Mapo is not a safety system. Mapo is the manufacturer of this box. And that is the, the crux of the argument that I was having a hard time with, and especially after this, you know, the incident in the monorail came back up again, with people was talking about the safety system, uh, and they called it Mapo. When I took this behind the steams tour – uh, the guy behind the took, steams, uh, but actually, I think it was behind the steam tour is what it was called. They oh, were okay. <coughs> in Florida, they um, they kept talking about the maple safety system, and you know if you know they had these little little funny ways of putting it. Well, you know if Mary Poppins this or Mary Poppins that, you have to push the button or Mary will stop you and blah, all this. If they hit another block, they're not supposed to be into. Yeah, I'm like, it's, wait, it's a manufacturer stamp on this. This box, it's not the Mapo is not a safety system. You know? If you want, if you want to go technical on this, Mapo built the monorails. Mapo built. Uh, well, lot, not in Florida. They not the Florida, but but uh, well, the original ones. Original Disney, ones back in no, 71. I think those were already contracted out to somebody. Yeah, we're not. But, that's but not anyways, this show. So, but but you go into almost any of the uh, computer rooms, any of the sound rooms throughout. Uh, Florida or Disneyland, you will find stamps on it stamped Mapo because it's a manufacturing arm. They make the components and put together everything for the different attractions and the different facilities throughout the different parks. Yeah, uh, just as you'll find WED on a lot of the older items, and you'll find WDI on the newer items. That is the uh, the uh, what do you want to say? Research and development arm. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder if the if the stamp that said Mapo was on the electrical plugs, if you know some of these people would start thinking that Disney designed the electrical, you know, electricity and plugs, and that wasn't a product of Edison. I don't know. Well, that's you because know, we got the Edison Edison's written on the plugs, so we know yeah. it was came from Edison. Uh, it just it just kind of makes me laugh sometimes how these little rumors get started. You know, even like the, the, we've been there. You know, the Matterhorn, the Leiden. Uh, Walt's apartment, apartment, you know, you yeah. on and on and on. But uh, since this email was sent to us, and we do appreciate it, Gerb, that you send it to us. Yeah, I've seen this box. And I've been on the tour. I've been, you know, in these things at Disneyland. I, I've seen these maple boxes before, and it, uh, it's more. Um, uh, I just kind of laugh at why people call it a safety system now. But anyway, so we just wanted to come back to it. You sent us an email and a great little picture of it, and we wanted to discuss that. Uh, or at least let you know that we got it. and uh, Thank you for it. Yes. Because I'm not sure if you meant to say we were... <coughs> you didn't say we were incorrect. You just gave us a picture of the box. So I'm taking it that and you it understand is, and agree with us about it's, what it is. But it, it should be noted it's also a box that's on a steam train, which does not physically stop the steam train. It just alerts the engineer. The engineer still has to stop the steam train. Unlike the monorails, it physically stops the monorail unless they're bypassed. Which is part of the problem in the last one. Though I think the conductor that was giving us the tour said that, yeah, let's see, it did, you're right, I don't think it stopped it. It sent a uh, warning that was recorded, and then later you'd have to explain yourself why yeah. you, you went into a block you weren't supposed to be in. And Now, if we have any former steam train 
uh, engineers from Florida who would you know like or to write us for or that Disneyland. Man, Disneyland yeah, because we do. have the same system yeah. going on at Disneyland. Okay, now on to our putts. Or should we go to some of the updates that uh, you had information about? I hear there, and this may be the first podcast I've heard it on, that the new parking structure in the Pumbaa lot will break ground soon. Is that correct? My understanding is they're supposed to be breaking ground literally the day after the summer season ends. So that that's what, September 8th, September 9th. Uh, right there at the beginning of September is when they're supposed to be breaking ground on Pumbaa. And it'll be a very large parking structure in comparison to the parking structure that's currently on the west side of the property, the Mickey and Friends parking structure. When you say large and compared to, it's going to... And be able to hold as many vehicles. It's, it's equal. Though it's a smaller piece of land, so there must be yeah. going down a few My levels. Up. It's going to go down a few levels. It's going to go up quite a few levels, which is different from Mickey and Friends because they don't go down. Correct. Um but, yeah, it's it's supposed to be holding somewhere in the range of 10,000 vehicles. Do you have any idea if um, the big buses or the uh, 18-wheelers will fit in on the first floor like um, the present one? Good question. Um, I don't know. Because the worst part is to, you know, is to pull up and then find yeah. out you can't get in and there's no place to back up. So they've got to have there's got to be some kind of contingency for that, I, or a big sign that says no big ass trucks or you know, yeah, trailers. Yeah, you would, you would think to be some sort of contingency for that. Um, I know there is currently they are shuttling people from the Pumbaa lot over to Disneyland using the big large buses. Really, I've walked yeah. one. I've never seen a shuttle. And a few times I've only parked there. I could literally count on one hand the amount of times I've parked there. And none of those times have I ever seen a, yeah, a tram. I've always walked. They, they got a shuttle stop there, and they're using a large, I think it's a USA, Coach USA oh, or something okay. like that is the contractor. And they're pulling the buses through, and they're bringing them over You know, I saw a coach pull side. up once. I, a bit, you're talking about like a trailway size coach, Exactly, right? a big, okay, large I did bus. see a coach once. I assumed it was a group because a lot of people were gathering to get on it. I just thought it was like a band group or something. I didn't uh, read the side and what it said. Yeah, so. and it didn't say Disneyland. And the, and they're still parking over at the uh, Garden Walk parking. Yeah, again, I haven't seen that happen. But I and they're using the buses uh, down underneath that parking level to come out and take to Disneyland. In fact, when I was driving past today, I saw a bus that was marked specifically Garden Walk, uh, Disneyland to Garden Walk cool. Express. Cool. So uh, they're using those, and I'm going to guess that that might be part of the plan. Uh, for the time being when they get the new Pumbaa lot open. So there's going to be space to be able to fit those through. Okay, good. Now, uh, you, I hear you may have some information about uh, great moments with Mr. Lincoln. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of in flux. We all know that Mr. Lincoln's supposed to be coming back, yet you take a look at the paperwork and they're saying the first 50 magical years is coming back. And I've been well. They've got a sign in public view that right says now Mr. It's Lincoln's coming back. coming back. But I'm taking a look. I'm just looking at the uh, daily, uh, the uh, sure. uh, resort daily thing that Could, says. Is it what's possible that the first 50 magical years is the pre-show and it could Lincoln very is, well be. It could very yeah. well be. They could be redo, redesigning the show from uh, ground level. We, I, I have heard they are not bringing back the great moments with Mr. Brady. No, I, I've had some people, including some voice talent, that has told me um, that they're bringing back the original Lincoln, the um, oh no, we get the original the stupid, speech, the stupid cricket. Our well, audience not only, is here. Not yeah, our audience. Not only uh, the original speech, but the original um, uh, sixty-four. Uh, 
World's Fair actor. The figure? I, no, not the figure. The, I didn't know the. I'm losing the name of the the actor who did oh, the voice. Oh, did the down. voice? Uh, he's got an odd name. Uh, yeah. But anyways, I I, I got you. Know, I usually have that one down, but uh, anyways, I I heard that narration and the introduction by uh, was it no was it Freeze or the other guy that did the narration uh, for that uh, the you voice got... of Disneyland. Um, oh. Tonight yeah, is now, not now, my night. Now, now we're now we're gonna just gonna be completely lost. Um, yeah, yeah, not so, not my night tonight. For all of those that are listening, you can throw things at the iPod now and say, "You idiots, can't remember." It's uh, yeah. And in fact, I was yeah. just watching because he uh, he's in Moby Dick. Uh, the I beg the, your act, the actor Bragger. for uh, I didn't say Spotted Dick. I said Moby. <laughs> Which spotted dick is an English food? It's it's a pastry. No, I actually think it's a sausage, which makes it even funnier. I don't think it's a pastry. I'm pretty sure it's a sausage. I thought I watched Graham Care make one, but regardless, Graham Care. I used to watch <laughs> the Galloping Gourmet. Yeah, I loved watching that show. I remember that. You're probably gonna go see Julia and Julia then, aren't you? No, my wife wants to see that, but yeah. The only thing every time we, we last night we went to see The Ugly Truth, which I think is a funny ass movie. But regardless, we uh, they're showing that preview. I can't help but see Meryl Streep when she goes up there in that first scene in the in the trailer. I see Saturday Night Live. I'm waiting for the blood to start squirting <laughs> all over right. the place. Uh, now, so. tr- here, okay, here's here's our tra- tangent. Julia Childs, do you know she was she was part of the war effort? Do you know what she did during World War II? Uh, Lady of the Evening, comforting the troops. <laughs> no, not no, quite. okay. She was a spy. She worked for the OSS. Well, she... she Really? Yeah. But she wasn't English. No, she was American. <coughs> she, in fact, uh, Julia, Julia Childs grew up here in Pasadena. And she was from a very well-to-do family. And as such, she spent a lot of time in Europe. And she spoke four, five or six different languages fluently. Okay. Royal Dano, original Lincoln voice. Thank you. Uh, and Paul Freeze was the narrator. So those are the ones I heard Paul are, are coming back. Okay. That's the word on the street. That's a lot of the blogs, well, a lot of the, the websites that Paul Freeze think they know. narration, not, hopefully not Paul Freeze. Well, he's freezing. Freezing. <laughs> uh, who knows? But that's, that's what I'm hearing on the street. Uh, but you, right now you're saying in official Disneyland – uh, paperwork, well, well, backdoor, the, the, speak, the, the, they're, it's up in the air. The, the, you just don't, you know, I see the same sign everybody sees out front, and everybody keeps saying Mr. Lincoln is coming back, and he's been sitting there this whole time behind the screen. Well, he's, he's just, never left. He's never left. He's he, always he's quite attached to the building. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> he really likes it there quite a bit. <laughs> so, um, and it looks like Ford's Theater all over again. Yeah, and I, um, I, that's just the that's freakiest another story. thing. But, uh, you know, and I, I've gone in there, and I haven't seen them demoing the screen yet. They don't have to demo the screen. It just rolls up. No, not the screen that was for the 50, first 50 magical yeah. years. That was actually built, physically built on the oh, stage. Oh, that wasn't using the screen that was there before. They actually No, they the actually oh, built okay, the screen right. there. So I haven't seen them start. And, and on the back side, well, it's just on, a couple hard is that yeah, I know, it's demo not that, that difficult. But, you know, it's just one of those things that... You know, and then they were saying September. Now they're saying December, and now they're going back. They're flip flopping back on the dates again. All right, too. let's move on to Craptasmic, or I'm sorry, Fantasmic. Um, 
Murphy. Some people are calling this dragon Murphy. I don't know where that name came from. Similar to Harold on yeah. uh, the I, I Matterhorn. I think it's Murphy's Law. Everything that's be. gone wrong okay. has gone wrong Before with I go too far off of Harold, uh, I spent the weekend, I shouldn't say the weekend, Sunday afternoon with... I spent a week there one day. Yeah, some of the bloggers, website hosts, whatever you want to call them, from WW or WDW News Today and the Disneyland counterpart and uh the wdw celebrations people and we were standing in front of the castle for um fireworks something i never do i mean we were literally right there in the front you stood and, and waited you know, in front of the castle yeah, over an hour which you know if i wasn't with oh my word people i had a chance to chat with and have Jeez. stimulating conversation. I would, would not have done oh, that. That my, explains why you've never done that. Yeah, with me. my uh, exactly because you're not ex- stimulating conversation. I'm glad I'm not stimulating to you. I'll I'll give that show one more little notch bump. It's still um, it's an okay show. It's certainly not a remember. I would knock myself out to go see it, but it's an okay show. But what I was getting is one of these guys said to me, and I, don't, I kept getting the two mixed up. They don't look alike, but for whatever reason, I kept getting them mixed up. Um, one of them told me that they were told by an imaginary. You remember these? These are kids. Well, I call them kids because, you know, um, anything under fifty is a kid to you. No, that's well. Then that would be I would be a kid. No, he's you know under Barely. thirty, might be under twenty-five. He's you know he's younger. He said he was told by a Disney person, I don't remember if he said an Imagineer or not, that Harold came from the Jungle Cruise, was one of the gorillas from the Jungle Cruise. Now, remembering, this was 1978 when these went in. At the time on the Jungle Cruise, I believe there was only one gorilla. Actually, there were, I think, two. Weren't there one off, like, the left and right of the boat start, uh no, I think there's just the one. There was the the one that's one. Went, no, no, that's a that was an addition sometime in the '80s, I think. And I know the camp. I think that came. Florida had one of those type of uh, amp yeah. apes. That camp is, you know, in Disneyland's history, the camp and the gorilla swinging at the alligator are relatively new, new in the yeah. 50 years of history. I don't remember them ever having any gorillas that were lost to the Matterhorn. I think they're brand new creations to the Matterhorn. I, I, I would have to agree. I and think they're not those... very tall. Now, the two that you see when you first get up it's... the lip, those are more eyes than anything. There's well, not... yeah, those are just eyes. There. But the but... other two are not very tall at all. Well, especially when you consider that when you're building a gorilla figure, the gorillas are kind of down on their haunches. They have bent knees and everything as they're just kind of sitting there, almost in a kind of a sitting position. Uh, your monster, your snowmen up in the Matterhorn are both fully standing upright. There's, there's, yeah. doesn't appear well, to be what? any I, bend I, to I, I'm almost, I, I'm thinking back in the Wayback Machine to my uh, 12-inch LP of the Jungle Cruise. And I'm almost... An LP, Licorice Pizza, yeah. Long Plane. It's a real record. Uh, vinyl, even. Vinyl. I'm pretty sure there was a gorilla Look towards, it up on Wikipedia. towards the end that was like standing in the jungle, but much larger than these particular figures. Yeah. Um, regardless, I had never heard that before. I thought I'd mention it to you, see if you had remotely heard anything close to that. No. I don't think it's true. I, 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 if I remember, Harold just got... One, it was one of the uh, ride operators that just started, you know, that's Uncle Harold. or that, 
it was Harry Harold or something like that. And well, yeah, so we, we don't know where out. Murphy, I didn't mean the name Harold, I meant the figure itself. But, so now we're back to Murphy. I'm not, you know what, I don't even, I, when I see Murphy printed on Al Putz's website, I don't even want to refer to it in that name. The Dragon. The Dragon. Uh, now they're saying they're hearing a debut date is around August 16th, and that's roughly in what you were telling that's me. That's what I'm hearing, hearing too. And they have a little bit about the problems with uh, Flotsam and Jetsam, which they are nicknaming Flotsam and Jetski. Um, but you know, I don't really. My problem with this particular article. They're also nicknamed Crockett and Tubbs too. Okay. But. My nickname, or my, my problem with his particular blog post this time is not that part. That just seemed to be, you know, more information he thinks he knows more than you know and uh, has a bunch of pictures, blah, blah, blah. You meaning the listener out there right along with us. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, you know, Al, Al knows more and has better contacts than anybody else in the world. Um, I think it starts here with the blame game that, let's see, was this one... Um, technical problems from Fantasmic Show have caused a predictable round of finger pointing. Popular culprit in entertainment is now the decision by TDA to delay Fantasmic Rehab by two months in order to continue nightly performances of the show last January and February. Um, I don't know if that would have helped him breaking the, the thing breaking its neck. That was just a either a design problem or something. Uh, there, yeah, that that was a that was a design flaw that I don't think anybody could have really predicted. I mean, as so many things happen, if you had just you know you got the wear and tear on the machine, the amount of weight that it was on, you know, everybody thought it would work properly, but a I mean, whole series know, of events it took seems place. Like that an just engineer went, somewhere would have told them when they're calculating all think. this, it wouldn't have worked. But, but then mean, again, maybe they never asked an engineer. They just stuck this new piece of machinery on there. But in the meantime, I was going to say, uh, Fantasmic kind of didn't want to end the show when they were going to. They were going to, uh, there's two things. Fantasmic wanted to extend the show a little bit longer, knowing that they did have a rehab coming up. But they were going, they were fine with it. And in the meantime, you still have the delivery date issue too. So even if the show had been cut off two months earlier, your delivery date wouldn't have changed any, so that would have had no bearing no, yeah. on that. Now, they're also saying that um, another lengthy rehab is happening, um, and it's going to... Oh, wait, was it this response to damage for requires Another lengthy rehab for Fantasmic, and the show is now planned to close two months just after Labor Day, regardless of whether or not Murphy... Oh, I said I wouldn't say Murphy... Uh, the dragon. The dragon makes his thing. Now, have you heard anything about another rehab? I have heard somebody. Now, I've only gotten this from one person, and you know this this is your quote unquote frontline cast member. So take it take it with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. They're telling they were telling me that they heard that we were going to drain the river again. Okay, well that comes up next. He's saying Which, the upcoming winter. We'll also have an extended phantasmic closure as the rivers of America are drained for a needed refurbishment from January to April. Which, when I talked to the, to the project managers back during the last uh, river rehab when we drained it out and everything, it was supposed to last at least another 8 to 10 years before we have to do that again. That puts us to about 2015. Yeah. Well, the funny thing was I saw somewhere in a post, uh, probably Twitter or somewhere, that it was due for its, I'm not, I don't want to say annual because that was probably the wrong word, but they they almost made it sound like the Rivers of America, you know, is drained almost every 
two to three years or five years. Now, I can remember, I think in the 10 years I worked there, drained once. Right. And that was for building of Phantasmic. Uh, right. And at that time, it wasn't even concreted in. Now it's concreted in. And I was told that when I got there. That was during the last rehab. They did all the concrete around there. When they, well, when they built Phantasmic, uh, they did a lot of the. There was a lot of concrete on the, the south end of the river. But by not the on stage the north end. But not on the north end. And that, and they this didn't. last rehab, okay. they completed it because one of the problems was when we. Remember I talked about this before. When we lost the uh, Twin Sister Falls. Over yes, the on, aeration of the water and all that. Well, also it caused the wakes to become harder from the big boats. And that was causing a lot of. Uh, uh, erosion, erosion along yeah. the island around the mainland so the last rehab the main thing was to concrete it all in and the concrete comes all the way up to prevent that erosion okay. around the riverside edge now when i got there and i'd, a I'd asked something about a, uh, a drainage and i think i took pictures once as a kid of it being drained i think i was told that in it in it's roughly 30 years when i got there history it had only been drained i think twice in 30 years they, right, and it, I was there both times. It, it didn't get drained a lot. For one, that all has to go into the public system. That's right. And when they fill it up, that all has to come from the public um, system. Yeah, it, it, it all goes into, it doesn't go into a sewer, it goes into the storm drain, which means that they have to uh, literally muck it out. They have to bring uh, trailers in in the back to filter the water out before we dump it. Well, now it shouldn't be quite as bad as it used to be, but you know, before it was it, concrete, I mean, it you literally was a... It, Sand bottom, it, dirt bottom. Well, I mean, it was a clay bottom. Clay, well, and, yeah. and and it still wasn't bad back then either. It's just that when you start getting, you know, everybody talks about it. I've swam in that river. I don't think it's that bad. It's it's no different than a lot of other I rivers. Say I you swam, swam in. you no, probably I, had to get back to where you fell out of your boat or no, something. No, I, I I swam in it. I Nobody swam, purposely swims. In yeah, that we river. used we used to yeah, long yeah, ago during the canoe runs. I I still anyways, don't believe that I'm gonna call bullshit on you, but we'll move uh, on. It's not the story today, so move on. But um. You know, you, you still have a lot of ducks that are in there, and you got, you know, yeah, all you got them crapping and pooping and, 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 and you got all, all the people that are throwing their food and their trash and whatever yeah, other crap is going. In there, yeah. It's it's just basically gunk and just the normal stuff that grows in there. That has to be filtered out before we can dump it into the storm drains, because like I said again, it's going into the storm drain system. It's not going through a sewer system. This is straight to the ocean. Okay. No, no, do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. So, you've heard from frontline cast members. It might be drained. I can't really figure out, other than having to work on Fantasmic, why the Rivers of America would need maintenance under the water. And up to now, I mean, when the when it's full, they use divers, of course. Right. Uh, and divers are expensive. I mean, they could it could be but done we, cheaper, but but they're full. Know. But they're on staff divers, so yeah. it's not like we have to hire somebody sure. from the outside. And again, what's the cost, literally, in the labor to drain it, filter it? And refill it. That's a huge yeah. amount of money. Sounds yeah, easy. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like you're doing a pool. I, you know, I pull the plug or I, I start the but drainage system yeah. and you fill it up. It's a little more than that. You're, you're doing a pool with about almost 10 million gallons worth yeah. of water. Not to mention one other thing that we got to remember is this is part of the primary water system of the park. It's not just the river you're affecting. You're also affecting the Jungle Cruise. You're also affecting the Storybook Canal Boats. You're also affecting Fantasia Gardens, what used to be the motor boats. Because the water is pumped out from the river, goes all the way up to uh, the Fantasia Gardens and Storybook Canals, and then comes down through past the castle. Wait, wait, wait. wait. There's not a physical connection. Yes, there is. I'm, I want to call bullshit again. Because no, no. Obviously, it, I've seen when the rivers have been drained, it 
can 100% affect all the way up to the castle. But it, uh, yeah, it does. The river, the canal boats never closed. No, they don't. I mean, we have to recirculate the water in a different fashion up there. And we have to watch the water levels because the water levels are designed to have that pump circulating. If you turn that pump off, then suddenly the, all the water starts coming down from, because that's uphill, it comes down from the canal boats in the castle and starts flooding off and actually lifts the boats in the jungle cruise off the rail. Well, you know, the boats, I, I um, rode the Jungle Cruise I, this weekend. The water looked to be about three inches low, and two of the waterfalls were not running. There, there was one time I remember when we had the uh, capsized boat, when the we had the keel-over boat on the river, and we had to shut down the pumps real quick because where the boat capsized over is right near where the intakes are for all the pumps. And since the pumps are shut down, now I have all the water starting to build. There's no more water going upstream back up to uh, Storybook and everything. So now I'm having Storybook grounding out, and I have the Jungle Cruise coming off the track. So we had the, those both those attractions had to shut down as well okay. uh, during that whole time. Proceed to me about circulation when they're not directly connected to where. But, but you know, if you if you want to keep water in the castle, it has to be dammed up. Right there, there, there is a spillway tunnel that goes from the the water goes up to it's it's split off between uh, where the motorboats used to be and Storybook canal boats. From there, from there, the motorboat spills over into the storybook area. That goes through an underground channel that goes into the near uh, Snow White's uh, Snow White's Grotto. Goes into the moat there. That river tra travels down through uh, uh, the moats past Frontierland and Adventureland into the Jungle Cruise. And there is a tunnel about what do you want to say about a three foot tunnel that connects the Jungle Book. Jungle Book, the Jungle Cruise, underneath the walkway that's between. It's not called a tunnel. People get the wrong idea. It's a big pipe. It's a big pipe that connects. Uh, basically, the uh, outlet from Jungle Cruise is over at uh, the Fast Pass for Indy, and the inlet is right where the ice cream wagon is in front of the Pirates Bridge over into the Big River. So it is one big system, and when you drain off the. Uh, Rivers of America, you're not just affecting the river, you're affecting all that water system going throughout everything. So it, it's it, it, it's a major it's a major undertaking. It's not one that's taken very lightly whenever they did it. I do No, I it's I find that it odd that it would need to go down again. I yeah, or, and, or drained again. So And for routine maintenance, no. This isn't something you do routine maintenance for. This is something you're gonna plan out for and you're going to try to figure out anything and everything under the sun. This is something they're going to plan for a couple of years in advance because they're going to they're going to do repairs and replacement for the uh, for both the Mark Twain and the Columbia. They're going to figure out every little last space of shoreline that needs to be redone, or even if WDI SQS just wants to come in and change the coloration of something, they're going to try to figure out everything. Because, like I say, you don't take it lightly, and when it's that major of a project, you're going to try to get everybody involved in it so you can get as much done on it. Yeah, it, and it, I just haven't heard that much going on with it. Yeah, it seems odd. You need to start talking to some of your maintenance contacts again. Um, <laughs> okay, the next thing he was talking about was uh, Captain E. Well. First, the overlay for Space Mountain. It's been it's on a couple websites, even some, even some Disney websites. But what I have some issues with here, would you say that Rockin' Space Mountain was a failed promotion? 
I wouldn't say it was a failed promotion, but I would say it was you had a handful of people that thought it was really great. You had a handful of people that thought it sucked. And the rest just really didn't care. But was the intent of putting it in there to feel out people to keep yeah. it? Or was it literally just, we're going to do this you know, thing called Rock and Space Mountain for a few months uh, as a test, whatever. But was it really thought that we would keep the Red Hot Chili Peppers in Space Mountain? Uh from the people that I talked to that were actually involved in it, no, it was never meant to be permanent that way. It was just a okay. test to find so out. For Putts to be saying that um, the Ghost Galaxy will be using some of the special effects equipment installed back in 2006 for the failed Rock and Space Mountain promotion would be a bit of a stretch or his opinion that it was failed. But from what you know on Disney's end, you wouldn't consider it a failure. No, I wouldn't consider it a failure. My question would be, how would you define a failure? It was for a limited run, and it ran its it ran its course. That was all it was meant to do. And it was just to test uh, a couple different ideas. Um, one was to see, because these were brand new uh, rockets that we have inside Space Mountain, to see what the sound system was capable of and what, our, what the capabilities of the new uh, show that was installed back in 2005 was. By the way, I finally got to take the e-ticket ride from the accessible launch uh, platform of the Matterhorn. Or sp uh, Space oh, Mountain. from Space Mountain, I was, Mountain, I was yeah. with a sight-impaired blind guy. Yeah. Um, and so we sat in the side, got shoved. We're yeah. all, like, raising our hands up, like, Ooh, you know, this is cool. That's kind of cool. I yeah, like that. I've never done that before. I thought it was kind of cool. And then getting taken off the same way, it was, like, it was really kind of cool. The, the thing I heard from a lot of people in the company-wise was that there was a plan, and there still may be a plan. I haven't seen it now in the Blue Sky Room, but there was a plan of bringing an enclosed roller coaster similar to Rock and Roller Coaster into California Adventure. I, I've heard some, and, you know, rumors about that myself. And part part of the Space Mountain uh, experiment, shall we show or show the the, the overlay there, but the, uh, was to see how well it would be received. Would it be received like? Uh, rock and roller coaster was to uh, the studios over in Florida, or is it something that people would just go, eh? And for the most part, everybody that went on it that I know of went, eh. I yeah, I didn't like it that the the track had so much lighting on it. I think it's it, it's not really designed to, 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 you know, in my mind to show that much track. The idea is Space Mountain. If they were totally to change the whole concept of Space Mountain then maybe it works. But I go into this building that's got this spaceship inside of it, you're on rocket ships, and then you listen to the fucking Red Hot Chili Peppers. And now, if you were on Red on. Hot, if you were on the Rock and Roller Coaster at California Adventure, would you expect the show that you saw? I, so, okay, put it in terms of what you've seen, because you've gone on Rock and Roller Coaster uh, in Florida. Absolutely, many what, times. What, what you've seen over there, compared to what you saw in Space Mountain, if, you, if they were to build... A, another rock and roller coaster DCA, here in DCA and have red hot chili peppers on there. Eh, it wouldn't be my my because, favorite because I, I think red hot chili peppers has a much more limited audience than even Aerosmith does. Well, the one thing was my understanding from the people that plus, were talking about Plus Aerosmith's songs, as much as I don't like Aerosmith, I recognize probably every single one of their songs. Yeah. 
the from what I understand is Aerosmith limited the use I, of the I songs that. on just that but, one. But you know we have local artists mean, like No Doubt and all those. But Red know. Hot Chili Peppers is a local. Oh, who cares? And, you know, but, like that, but, small limited. But audience. that's what I'm saying is they they were local, they were handy, and they were very you know uh, happy to do it. Right, screaming could be turned into you, you know of course it wouldn't be inside but you could put dick dale or the beach boys or and any of those guys they're talking about putting dick dale oh, okay. screaming. uh they they could do something like that uh yeah and and, and find a safari type since it, you're on the seaside anyways safari? Uh, you could do something like that though that's not the see again you start playing with time errors and stuff it's not yeah, the error to have more... that kind of music but if, if they did a rock and roller coaster of sorts here I'd be happy with. I wouldn't necessarily wouldn't be happy with Red Hot Chili Peppers, and I really don't think they've got the a large enough audience to to give them that honor. Yeah, you know, uh, not but, that I was totally surprised by uh, Aerosmith, but they've got a lot better following than but that, Red that, Hot Chili that, Peppers. That was that was the most most part. What now, they if you did really want a scary Cup. ride, then you bring back the EO soundtrack for an inside rock and roller. Co- you know. What Captain EO? No, no, the the soundtrack, just the soundtrack. I said, oh, if you geez. really want a scary <laughs> roller coaster in the dark, you put Michael We're Jackson. We're going in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, now but, you've got a scary but, ride. But th- this goes back to my question: How does what what is his standard on what he considers a failure? I don't look at it as a failure. I don't think anything anybody looked at it as a failure. It was a limited run. It ran its course. It did exactly what it was supposed to do. And yeah, it, I I gotta say, it actually did bring a lot of people in that were just flat out curious. Yeah. Now he's saying that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there were some curiosity seekers. Um, now I the one thing he does say here, I probably believe that once they do this first rehab, uh, which will probably take a couple months, the next time, it's probably a matter of a week, couple days. You're, because you're talking about in, putting. You're talking about putting the. Uh, well, over. once they once they do the install for this this. Halloween overlay, if it's considered successful uh, by his terms, next year it should by his terms or by Disney terms, well, whoever's. <laughs> if they run it again, yeah, it's it's almost a flip of a switch. It's it's yeah. a couple yeah. couple day thing at the most. It wouldn't be a multi week thing because it wouldn't be anything new to install. Yeah, I'm I'm, you know, I've I've, I've only heard that from the uh, from what you've talked about it from the different websites here. I have yet to really hear anything from anybody on well, the it's inside. It's on official Disney website, so it's not like it's just unofficial lookers. It's there is some. Yeah. Now, got to move on to Captain EO. Eeyore. Um, I got into a little bit of a back and forth with a couple people over Captain EO on Twitter because someone said it's returning at Halloween. I'm like, why do people keep insisting on propagating this rumor? And I get a guy back saying, "Oh, it's absolutely true. I, you know, I know an Imagineer." Okay, well, like so do I. Well, he's X, but I so do I. Um, I know a few. He goes, "Well, I was in the theater when they were there looking at it." And I thought, "Wait, did he say they or when his friend, the Imagineer?" I can almost see it as he and his friend, the Imagineer, went and sat in the theater, and his friend, the Imagineer, saying, "Yeah, you know, we could do the CEO thing everybody well, wants," but there's. There's rumor that they're going to bring it back for Halloween. Now, what Halloween and Captain EO and Michael Jackson have to do with each other, other than Michael Jackson is a scary person, um, was, was, um, what would Halloween have to do with bringing him back? And why is Disney capitalizing off his death? I can understand the family doing it because they're a bunch of whores, but why is 
Disneyland willing to capitalize when they conveniently shut the thing down, even though they said they had plans to do so anyways, right around after he got accused of molesting children. Yeah. um, You know, right after uh, Michael Jackson's uh, death, there was a lot of people that kept coming in and bringing up the question and everything. And the answers that were coming up from on high uh, from operations from entertainment was an unequivocal no we are not bringing captain neo back there there's no reason to bring captain neo back that is a ship as what was told me that's that is a ship that has sailed that is in the past if we bring something in it'll be something new we're not going to go backwards well i gotta give him this much on this one he's saying that a decision whether or not to bring it back for halloween has not been made but the TDA is pulling together the numbers and feasibility of what it would take to get the theater uh, with the Captain EO overlay and everything. Now, get this. this well, this... I'll, I'll tell you real quick. It'll take them all of about five minutes because everything that Captain EO had, for the most part, is still in the theater. They just, when they rebuilt it, they added things okay. to it for Honey, I Shrunk the And you said that film, uh, 3D system similar or the same it's the with same, same polarizing same, lenses, not exactly, the black and, or system. blue and uh, red and all that. Okay, all right. and there were all those smoke effects and all that they had. You think that's all still that, there? That's that's still in there. Okay, so what what I don't know if I totally believe, but they're saying there are, there would be quite a bit of work. Now you're saying there wouldn't have to be a lot of work because it's basically a film change. Those are, that yeah. fiber optic effect. The fiber optic. You're not sure the about fiber optics. I don't think are in there. But yeah, when when they did Honey, I Shrunk the Audience, they added things to it. We still have the, well, the, the, the vibrating light. floor. Well, the, you, we we didn't have that for right. for that. That's, that's what I'm new. saying. That's the vibrating but floor, the water, the that's air all, below, yeah. all that stuff. But too. the spotlight that we had you know, that, for that, the searchlight that, in that there, that air goose, you know, could bring a whole new meaning to Captain Neo. <laughs> we could put a smell radar when we have Angelica Houston as the evil queen there, just pumping some. Heavy bad breath in there. But anyways, what 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 they're also <coughs> saying is that WDI has to approve some of the signage and testing. But they're saying that um, Kodak has this pesky thing called a sponsorship that mandates the Honey I Shrunk the Audience themed commercial playing a waiting area. And I, you know, I understand they have probably a contract to to only have to have that plane seems well, odd. That uh, contracts contracts as you you and I both know can be amended temporarily and kodak was the sponsor during captain eo and they can easily put the kodak captain eo uh stuff back in that we originally had way back well when. Y- you would hope so but i i wouldn't understand and, why cat why kodak would mandate honey i shrunk the kids i could see them mandating you've got to leave our logo out there somewhere for an oh, extra yeah. amount of time but, but to have the honey i shrunk the kid commercial plane there, i find a there, bit odd. there's one thing that does have to be changed is the signage do you want to just put a, a sheet out with the Captain EO logo they, covering they've Honey, done, I Shrunk They've the, done worse I know, things, but, so. but, you know, I guess in reality, I could picture, you know, we were talking about who would be coming to these type of shows. You, you would have some people that would be coming out there as curiosity. You would have your hardcore... Uh, Michael Freaks. Michael, Michael uh, you know, Jackson Michael DFs. Yeah, you know, your Wacko Jacko people out there. Or MFs. And, you know... <laughs> <laughs> we won't even go that direction. Michael fundamentalist. Michael, well, that, but, mean, that but, means they're pre-plastic but, surgery people, yes, then, right? That's true. That is true. When he when he still had a real nose, because we got this picture up of him right now, and, and he still looks very real. But but the thing is, um, you know, if 
I guess, you know, if you're doing it for a very limited run, like three, maybe four weeks, just for a period, I could see that. But <laughs> what, it, yeah, I got, it a, can I got a better one. But wait, wait, wait. Oh, <laughs> this is better. Instead of, bring, instead of bringing Captain Eel back to the theater in Tomorrowland, mm-hmm. let's replace Bugs Life for a short period. <laughs> Jeez. And have the stinger come at you. Well, you, you have those things on the bottom and the back of the... the uh, Seats poke yeah. into you at time. What better, you know, ode to Michael Jackson jeez. could you do? Oh, jeez. <laughs> that is Greg at MiceCast.com. Oh, my God. I think that's the ticket right there. <laughs> I don't um, think anybody would have a problem with that. Jeez. We're going in. Woo! Oh, All right, geez. so let's move on. Let's get off of Michael. <laughs> Literally. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, do we want to talk about uh, Putz's complaints about uh, pass holders? Well, what's his complaints about them? All right, well, I thought he was always the big defender of everything. Yeah. Well, no, he's actually, that's one of my, my main problem with this whole article, and we're going to get there, is really some of his uh, deflammatory language. Uh, okay, it's those swarms of annual pass, excuse me, it's those swarms of annual pass holders that give TDA pause. You want to explain what TDA is for those who don't know what uh, TDA Team is? Team Disney Anaheim, that's the main office building where all the executives sit in okay. Anaheim. They give TDA pause when it comes to crazy stunts like bringing Captain Eel, bringing back Captain Eel. This, just this summer, the total number of Disneyland annual pass holders has now solidly risen above the 800,000 mark. And it's still rising by thousands every month. Now, I'd like to know where he gets that statistic, since Disney usually doesn't give out that sort of thing. I don't know. Maybe they do. I don't think they do, though. No, no, they don't. You can bet that price increases are on the way this fall, but those huge numbers and the problems they increasingly cause for crowd control, parking, and any number of operational issues that have forced TDA to take a step back. In response, a new TDA executive committee just formed that has been tasked with taking a hard look at the annual pass holder program and try to quantify exactly what kind of impacts it has on uh, the compact resort area. Uh, So, you know, they're just... So he's complaining that there's too many people out there. Well, what he's saying is, okay, let's say... my taxes are too high, too. It says, we've also told you how difficult it is to get a parking space at Disneyland on a Sunday when all the annual pass holders push the passenger car vehicle ratio down to nearly one person per can instead of the casual, probably, uh, instead of the casual tours who have an average of over three people per car. Now, I've got to argue with that because Sundays is one of the best days to go and is the least crowded. The morning and the evenings are great on Sundays. I haven't noticed Sundays be a problem at all. Saturday, yeah, it's packed. Friday night sometimes, yeah, it's packed. Um, now, he's got a picture here of the long renewal lines that tend to form after Christmas. And, yeah, because a lot that, of people buy them. That one's dated because yeah. that hasn't been used as a yeah. pet. That's but the old thing. people do Street. buy them a lot for Christmas. Yeah. Um, says anyone who's been caught in a ridiculous crowd control and overwhelmed facilities whenever something new opens in Anaheim or during the final days leading towards an extended blockout period know that there are obviously more annual pass holders than the 54-year-old park was designed to accommodate. Well, no, duh, since it wasn't designed to accommodate annual pass holders in the first place. It just wasn't its design, really. Uh, but the nightmare crowd control this past June for the opening days of Nightastic, personally, I didn't see any th- difference. Nightastic. What is really going on at night any different than any other summer 
time. Fireworks and Fantastic. Tell me what other Fantastic, Nightastic shit yeah, was going I was, on. Yeah, I was actually thinking that this last summer looked kind of uh, okay. Well, what I mean, I'm it, was, saying, it was crowded. It's more crowded than yeah. I'm comfortable with, but I've seen it worse. This whole Nightastic ad campaign. I'm, I'm, I'm getting tired of that. It's no different than any other summer night. I don't yeah. uh, uh, Anyway. Uh, oh, by the way, I thought you told me there were no bands playing. There was a band playing the other night, and somebody with me said there's a rotation of a couple of days of uh, live bands, a couple of days of the DJ, a couple of days. There, oh, was, there, all, there was a live band playing. Oh, that's true. I, ha- I, have seen, I have seen a rotation of a couple bands coming up. That is true. And they were doing 80s covers, which was great. So. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> let's see. The whole point of the billion-dollar DCA expansion is to increase the attractiveness of the resort to multi-day tourists who will spend far more money than local annual pass holders. But an overcrowded park full of locals killing a few hours of leisure time at steerage rate certainly makes those ter- tourists think twice of ever returning to Disneyland. And TDA knows they've reached a breaking point and something must be done. We'll keep you posted on the outcome of the new committee. You know, this sounds like the old. Uh, he, he something's something's going to happen, and he's going to take. He's he's going to throw. He's basically throwing everything up against the wall and see, to see what, sticks. what sticks. And then he's going to claim whatever change takes, pro or con. He's going to take the credit for influencing that change. Well, um, you know, what are you going to do with the passport? Well, you know, they they tried to do that thing that one year where. Unless you already have a passport, we're not selling you a new one. If you miss your renewal, you can't get another one. Right. That went over like a fart in church. Yeah. Um, Probably even worse than a fart in church. You know, yes. I will tell you, first of all, yes. There there have been concerns about uh, annual pass holders, but not in the case, not in the way he's talked about. The concerns with annual pass holders is they come in, Ride a, maybe ride a couple rides, hang out, and then they leave. They don't buy anything. They don't buy. They, they either ha- grab something at McDonald's before they come in, or grab something at McDonald's after they leave. They're not buying food. They're not doing anything like that. So what the operational people have been looking at isn't how to limit annual pass. It's how to cause annual pass holders to spend more time and you know, more money. I'll tell you how to do that. Pin trading's been one of the biggest well, ones going into that, and that's where in. They're trying to find other ways of getting annual pass holders to stay longer and spend more money. What did Walt say about a cup of coffee? Tell me. I'm amazed. I'm I'm at a blank because I'm at a blank right now. At at his time, a coffee was only worth, let's say, a nickel. nickel. You don't charge a dime. Coffee's a nickel. Charge a nickel. If they can be competitive with going to the outside, no one will go out there. But as they continue to raise the price, people think twice. Like a lot, I was hanging out with some people this weekend. I ate at Hungry Bear, which you say has. It? A, I didn't have it? the hamburger. Oh. I had a club, which was okay. I thought the How bacon. Was the well, it was good, but I, isn't the bacon supposed to be cooked? One would hope so. It looked like uncooked bacon. It didn't oh, taste like it, but it kind of had a look of bacon almost out of the yeah. bag. I mean, it had that kind of color. It was okay. It was on some weird. I don't know. It was panini. Focaccia bread. Pati- yeah, it was. Interesting, it's and I took yeah. the apple slices with it. It was it was okay. What I was surprised was there was no chicken fingers on the menu. Only in the kids' menu was there right. chicken nuggets or fingers or whatever. Yeah. Um, but they asked me, well, where do you usually eat? And I'm like, I don't. I live close. I either you know I eat on the way. I eat when I go home. If we do eat, maybe we go out to storytellers. But I don't eat a lot in the parks. Not to say that I haven't eaten in every restaurant restaurant which I have, 
I just don't do it often unless friends are in town and it works out right. Partly because of the price, partly because I don't want to wait in the insane lines that they have sometimes, and the food isn't as good as it used to be in a lot of the venues, which is probably overall more of my complaint. I used to love the Village House. You would probably have to drag me and tie me down and force feed me to actually go there voluntarily or semi-voluntarily. It's just not a place I want to go because it's just... There's no enticement for me to stay there. Now, I would disagree that they aren't spending money in the shops because, quite honestly, I think the DFs and the annual pass holders are some of the largest shoppers of memorabilia. Well, that's, but that's what I'm saying is the operations has been putting a lot of things out on things that they were want to buy to entice them to come in and do that, you know. Yeah, well, you make them more, more limited. Direction. I tell you what, you, but, but you know, you'll get my food. money if you give me some damn haunted mansion merchandise. But there's such it's a it's coming. It is so limited. Well, for the anniversary, yeah, now, probably right. Um, for but you bring up an excellent point about the food. Um, yeah, the food is a little pricey. You do get huge portions, but something I argued with a couple years ago, and I brought I brought it up with one of the foods managers, of course. I can't take credit because I haven't seen any change, but they give you a large portion of food for a fair amount of money. Well, the portion you, but, the food you get for the money you pay, I, you're right. I would say it's considered but fair, I, but it's way I, too much food. But I brought up the thought of why don't you cut those portions in half? Drop your prices well, by half a, might be a little but too much. Drop your prices by a third. You're still making more money. But in the meantime, people are looking like they're saving money, and they're not overstuffing themselves. And like myself, my wife and I, we buy one plate. I, I have never seen you do that. I've never seen you push we, food away from yourself we in your buy, life. We'll, we'll buy one plate, and we'll, I don't and we'll share it. You. We might actually buy two plates. I, I just don't believe you. Oh, so, but that's okay, Richard. Uh, you know, it's, but 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 that brings up an excellent point: is the the pricing is not competitive. When you consider you have McDonald's, Denny's, IHOP, right across the street from Disneyland. Yeah, I mean... The, now, the, uh, in Walt Disney World, you're more in the bubble. You can't just You don't just have much cor- of a choice. Yeah. But, but then again, their dining plan has created another problem for locals and cast members, meaning those uh, cast members can't eat between certain times on their discount. They can eat there, but they can't get their cast member discount because of the enormous amount of people getting in these dining plans. Yeah. Um, for me, the dining plan has worked out pretty well. But again, I think they give you way too much food. I feel like in most of the restaurants, I probably waste, if they could have cut the portions back, uh, I don't feel like there have been as much waste. Now, I know the Americans seem to have this idea of quantity. You know, you yeah. need to have the quantity, but I would rather have the quality. Uh, quality over quantity in my mind. But but again, if you made smaller portions and you, and you made a big to-do about the prices coming down, that would be in itself yeah, a huge in, in marketing an, in an economy time like this. Yeah. Um, what there so, was a movie so where they you did hear that, it, you hear that? it here on on Micecast first that our suggestion to Disney is that we go with a little bit smaller portions, a little bit lower prices. Make a big to do on the marketing. Except scheme, on the corn we'll dog, keep the corn dog that big, but yeah, just keep lower the, corn, the price. Yeah, the corn dogs are <laughs> the corn dogs on Main Street and also. What's, what's a churro there? cost now? Like three bucks? Yeah. A churro, in my mind, I've paid three and more than once. A churro is not worth more than a buck and a half. Yeah, and when I started when I started selling those things, they were like 
I remember a buck and a quarter, but I want to think we went down. We were at a buck when we first started. Well, this okay, and there's another thing. Okay, and as a friend, as a friend of mine that I used to work with said, "Where else can you get 16 inches for a buck and a quarter?" That's right. Here's another thing. Now, the first time I went to Florida, see, at Disneyland, tax was always included. You never had to worry about having three cents, twenty-eight cents, whatever it was. The first time I went to Florida, it wasn't like that, and it's like, oh, it's a buck thirty-five, or thirty-eight, whatever, you know. Yeah. And I found that odd, but at Disneyland, it always said tax included. Tax included. You, included, you yeah. knew that you were going to have an even it was, number. It was within the nickel. The best way to make change, and a lot to lose on shrinkage and people doing bad money counting, is to simply keep it a buck, like a buck fifty. A buck seven, even even getting into seventy. Try to keep it where it's it's quarters or even dollars. Yeah. Um, it's like you know buying gas for you know a buck fifty nine point nine. Just make it a buck sixty. Yeah. You're not fooling me with that nine tenths of a gallon bullshit. Uh, but anyways, yes, I think Disney would be better off by uh, lowering the price a little bit. Now, obviously, people are buying. Tourists are buying. They're there. Well, they're, they're, well they're the, restaurants, the restaurants are loaded. So they are. And see, there would be another argument. You lower it. Maybe now, those restaurants will be so impacted you, you can't get a meal. But then again, they've closed some restaurants that they could possibly reopen now, and take the pressure off. Speaking of restaurants, remember uh, one of my concerns, churro wagons, popcorn wagons, those large wagons went to the restaurants in the area. Yes. Anything, if you go into Disneyland, anything that has a register on it belongs to a restaurant. It's no longer after a vending. Remember the comment I made that they're going to start shutting these things down earlier because they realize they don't make the money past certain hours. When in the old days when I was in after vending, you've already made your money. You're just making that little extra, and it was a convenience for the guests. Well, in theory, you've paid for yourself on your shift probably Several third times, of, third, of the, third of the way into it, your time was probably paid easily. For. Okay, so, probably within the first couple. And hours, like Disney said percent. in his time, you don't close something while the guest is still in the park. You know, right. if you've got a popcorn wagon open, you still have fresh popcorn awaiting for him okay. when he walks down Main Street. Okay, right, right. Okay, I uh, a couple weeks ago, family and I were in there. We were gonna watch, just st- stick around long enough to watch the fireworks. We were up in the Small World Mall area. Yes, really had a hankering for. A churro. Okay, now where normally would a churro wagon be? Is it by the third class smoking area? Uh, there is one across from, yeah, across from the third class smoking area. Well, it's almost at where you walk into it, isn't it? No, that's the, uh, if I remember correctly, is that churros or is that the. Uh, I, but it's lake? right in that area. You're right, that is the churros because yeah, the turkey so. legs, yeah. So it's right there. Yeah, I wouldn't know where turkey leg is because those are the worst piece of garbage. I don't sell too. I, do, I, I go for the chimichangas in the corner of the cob, but not for the you. sherbet. Okay. <coughs> That churro cart's closed. So there's another churro cart over by uh, uh, Casey Jr. That Correct. must be open. It's closed. Okay, I'll just settle for a box now, of popcorn. Just out of curiosity, was Stromboli's open? Yes, it was. Okay. Okay. Now... It is still Stromboli's, isn't it? Yeah, but okay. that's all... That, that little fruit stand? No, 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 no. The uh, little merchandise cart. The merchandise cart is. And uh, so I went to that. This is just a few minutes past 9 o'clock. We, we just... We're Fantasmic is going. We haven't quite got set up for the parade yet. They're closing off parts of Fantasyland because of the fireworks there. Or I should say for the fireworks. Okay, what the heck. I'll just get a box of popcorn. All the popcorn machines are all closed. They all closed at 9 o'clock when Village House closed. Um, let's see. Well, let me th- oh, because those cast members came out of the Village House pool. Uh, restaurant, yes. So all of Village House and all their wagons closed. I could not get anything. See, that's, that's Everybody suggested off the knots. Yeah. Is, you know, if the re- but see, most of our restaurants stayed open 
almost the park closing, so usually you had yeah. carts in the main area still open. Everybody told me, and I found out afterwards, that the only churro wagon that was open in the park was in the hub is the one in front of the castle the only popcorn wagon open in the park hub. is the hub and this is at 9 10 in the evening 9 15 oh, just in front of just before the fireworks i was not going to go back down through that mess just to get a churro or popcorn because our intention was to watch the show get on the train and take the train yeah. around back to the main well, but i ran into it and yeah i brought, I brought, my, the, I brought uh, up that with uh foods I'm, management here's uh, my outdoor vending complaint of the week okay it's probably not outdoor vending. It's probably foods, as you say. It's the uh, fruit cart on Main Street. That's uh, foods. That's Plaza okay. Plaza Inn. I um, pulled up there. It was a hot day. Wanted to get some water. Mm-hmm. People in front of me, they you know, they were jerking. They didn't know what they were wanting. So they said, go ahead. And I grabbed the water. The girl's on the phone. There's another guy tooling about doing something with stocking. She's on the phone chit-chatting with a supervisor. I could tell it was official work. It wasn't she was just chit-chatting, but everybody seems to have cell phones now rather than radios and things like that. So she's yeah, chit-chatting to somebody in her office, let's right. say. And I'm standing there with cash in hand, the water yep. bottle, and she couldn't do two things at once. She couldn't multitask, and she's talking on a phone on stage with a guest waiting for her to finish up a conversation. She finally, because she was also having trouble ringing the thing up and talking at the same time and the other guy came up and I think took over the phone call for her so she could finally concentrate on that high tech scanning device that, that, for the water that is becoming a I, it's an issue after, after this last week it's becoming more of an issue with some of the newer cast members and the newer managers managers we have are a lot of them are from you know, whatever outside they got hired in on this, yeah, and they themselves really don't have a clue on on, on stage presence, guest on stage service, presence, exactly. And they're now going through; they're trying to reintroduce this from the higher mm, levels, the Disney on, University they, stuff, well, Disney University stuff. But they're also trying to bring it up on daily, their daily uh, roll call meetings of, do not forget. This is your primary concern, your guest. <laughs> yeah. Not what your uh, attendance level is. You can right. do that later. You know, these simple right. little things. I had a guy, um, oh, that's a whole Yeah, yeah, story. that's a whole story. All right, so let's move on. Uh, this I asked you a little bit about before we went on air, and you kind of looked at me like an idiot. Um, or isn't that movie The Amateurs? I uh, just watched Some Idiot. Some Idiot. So I can call you Some for sure. Uh, no, your nickname no. is Some Idiot. Um what, I got another nickname? <laughs> no, I think Pole Man is, no, no, is I the don't ultimate like one. one. What no, was the other one we, we were we joking about the other day? We should have been using this the whole time. Oh, no, Changing you have to it. hit it just right. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> this has to do with D23. And I asked you what Ed Greer and TDA had to do with Team Disney. And you looked at me like, what the well, hell no, are you talking what about? Well, no, what D23. Yeah. So, uh, well, you said Team Disney. They... Well, yeah, TDA. Well, TDA. No, you said Ed Greer and TDA have to do with Team Disney, and I'm correcting oh, I you. Said I, meant, with I thought I said D23 in there also. Anyway, okay. okay. So <clears throat> what he is saying here is uh, the other other issue turning up the heat on Ed Greer. Now they're gonna this Ed Greer bashing time is what we're getting into. This is part of my problem. Okay. Um, is the Ed Greer bashing? Yeah, the guys lasted more than two years, so we have to start bashing yeah. him just like we did to Paul. The other issue turning up the heat on Ed Greer and his TDA planners is the rapid approach of the massive 
D23 Expo at the Anaheim Convention Center in early September. The D23 Expo is a pull-out-all-the-stops event unlike anything currently put on by corporate America. I'll wait and see because I'm not sure. I've been, I, to, I don't I've been to some big corporate America events, you know, like NAB, uh, the Architects Convention. CES. The CES. There's uh, Macworld. Yeah, I mean, there's a few some, things. I don't, I don't even think Disney has quite phrased it that yeah. way. <laughs> sort of a combination of Apple's Macworld event and the splashy corporate pavilion at a World's Fair of yesteryear. All of the top executives from Disney will be there giving presentations in the 7,500-seat Anaheim Arena and the entire Anaheim Convention Center, the largest facility on the West Coast. That's what we were talking The right. facility is the largest. The facility itself, yeah, it is. And there's the 7,500-seat Anaheim yeah. Arena. I didn't know they were calling um, it the arena. Yeah, I, but... think, I think we're the largest one west of Chicago. Okay. Disneyland and the DCA expansion will be on the Imagineering Star, obviously, but every corner of the company will be reporting out their current offerings on future plans. It sounds like it's a, the way he's writing it, it sounds like a big stockholders meeting. Yeah. Um, the folks who were planning, was it, the folks who were planning for the WDI exhibit at D23 were furious to see one of the headline-grabbing announcements they were considering for September leaked recently on the internet. Blueprints of the proposed revamp of Walt Disney World's tired fantasy land. And parentheses that we told you about in a previous update. Got to get that digging Got to get there. that in there, We, yes. told, we you. told you about that. Even though some of the big D23 Expo announcement, announcements leaking early, the pressure will be on TDA to help put on a good show for all of the company bigwigs and the throngs of Disney fans expected to descend that week. The D23 Expo is slated to remain in Anaheim through the year 2012, and Ed Greer knows he will be held partially responsible if this event doesn't go well. So there's my question. Well, I should, I should, what does I should Ed say, Greer and TDA have to do with D23? When they refer to 2012, it'll be an annual event. It's not going to last the entire three right, years. Right, it'll right. be an annual event, just the way they worded it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It'll be an annual event for the next few years. Yeah. Here. I think most people know that, but I, I know what you mean. You well, know, now, I've, other than... The park better look clean. The cast members better be on their best behavior because people will be going in and out of the park also. What does Ed Greer and TDA have to do with D23? I, I think, I don't know, quite honestly, in my my understanding of how things go, this, this goes into the special events and the uh, outside operations people that are based out of Burbank. Um, yeah, and I see those openings on the Disney corporate website all the time. Like special <coughs> yeah. event security—they call them cast members for Burbank and you yeah, know, ticket takers. You it's name a whole it. other division of the company. It has nothing to do with Disneyland. In fact, uh, the few times we had uh, movie premieres, uh, such as the Princess Diaries, uh, actually Princess Diary Two, and a couple of the other movies we've had at the AMC theaters in Disneyland. Disneyland was not in charge of that event. It was special events from Burbank that came in with their people to set it all up, and they were in charge of that show. We were there merely as the host. Um, I think, in my way of thinking, Ed is merely the host because he's the highest level executive at the closest proximity to it. Right. Um, But having really probably doing nothing as far as event planning. But he's the local executive. He'll be on site. People will probably come to the TDA offices. They want to make sure that, you know, all the security guys standing there have their ties on straight, their shoes are buffed. They want the place to look good, not like a bunch of, you know, slobs and all that. And and, um, because, let's face it, uh, Ed's job 
you know, I have my complaints about Ed, but Ed is doing, you know, he's he does he's a good guy and he's doing his his job well as far as I can tell. And he doesn't have a lightweight job. I mean, you take consider he's he has the two parks, he has the three hotels, he has the downtown district. He's his people are working with all the stuff on the periphery on the outside and we're still building depending on who you talk to, anywhere hmm. from an 800 million to a 1 and a half billion dollar addition to California Adventure. It's not like he has enough things to do that he can go start worrying about this whole little weekend, right. three-day event going on across so, the so street. So keep that in mind, folks, for a second, that list of what Ed's responsible for. As we go on into the thing that probably really got me riled up when I happened to read this post, and I, I honestly never go to Mice Chat. I think I saw a link on Twitter about something that had me remotely interested to go see what he was spewing this week. So I went. And the funny thing is, this next photo that's popping up of Ed Greer is taken by David Darkbeer Michael. And I was in the in DCA about a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, and two guys saw me taking a picture, and they're, they're Darkbeer? I'm like, no, I recognize that name. He's on some form or something. And he, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's the guy that's here taking all the pictures for my chat. I'm like, oh... My chat, they're like that lowbrow rumor website, right? <laughs> so I was he they knew the name Mice Mice uh, Cast, and I gave them my card for Mice Cast and measuring my way. So they, who knows? They might be listening now. Uh, nice guys. Uh, inter, you know, we had a good conversation where we were overlooking the world of color, but um, you know, I guess we can't blame Dark Beer for finding an outlet for his pictures. He's not necessarily writing a crap. Uh, well, if he is, with using. Uh, um, puts his name as a byline then you know we'll screw you too but uh, as far as we know he's just the photographer but anyways here's here's what really got my dander going and then we covered the whole his whole post for the day anyways but said ed this is ed recently made a rare appearance inside disneyland for one of those high profile events with lots of press cameras that he relishes so much now i'm putting the emphasis because they're not even bright enough when they write this to put emphasis on too many things. When they're going tongue in cheek. Yeah. I'm not sure he's tongue in cheek here. Oh, you think I think he's, he's being factual. Oh, no, no, no. Not factual. He's being seriously uh, tainting his article with his opinion. But he's, okay. he's not emphasized. Only now and then he put quotation marks, and we'll, oh, okay. we'll tell you when that comes on. The occasion was this July 17th window dedication ceremony for Marty Scholar who received his Main Street window in the tiny corner office of City Hall that he originally worked out of in the 1950s. Hundreds of Anaheim cast members and Glendale Imagineers showed up for the 7.30 a.m. ceremony, and the event was standing room only. Oh, my God. They had to get up at 7.30. I guess the park must have opened at 8, so they wouldn't have before the park opened. Right. And standing room, we didn't have any chairs out there except for <laughs> the invited so, guests. It wasn't that Town Square was you packed. Know, there was just... No seats put out, right? You know, so that, yeah. One, one of the things I, I found out, um, uh, Marty has a son that lives, um, I want to say, in Sweden. Sweden, Sweden or Norway, Sweden? right there in, uh -huh. in Scandinavia somewhere. We brought him and his family out for this dedication. Oh, nice, that nice. was very cool. Okay. Ed was the host, and he read his prepared script perfectly. Again, my emphasis. Right down to the repeated, and this is in quotations, oh, not quotations, it's in parentheses, and unfortunate references to the lawyer approved term and i'm using air quotes now for his quotations disneyland park instead of the more widely used and simple quotations disneyland 
you could practically hear the trademark and copyright symbols dripping off Ed's script that morning. Again, emphasis by me. Yet Anaheim cast members weren't really surprised with the stilted performance. Now, should okay. we should we finish the the rampage on poor poor Ed before yeah. we go anymore? Or do we want to pick this apart right here? No, no. Let's, well, is there something right in that you want to pick apart? Well, you know, like I said, standing room only. We only had things. Um, well, the Disneyland Park is the official name of the place now, right? As much as we dislike it, right? Some and, of us dislike and, it, and it has been the it has been referred to as Disneyland Park since quote unquote air quotes air quotes the resort opened up in two thousand one. Well, yeah, because now you have the resort and you have DCA. How do you how do you Disneyland, differentiate yeah, Disneyland because from the resort from, from right? the from the company standpoint? When you refer to Disneyland, you're referring to the resort, all of it. Yes. Um, but yeah, Disneyland Park. Because uh, that was a term that they decided upon back in the late '90s that that would be why the term. Could, that they're why going couldn't to stick they go to. like Disney's Anaheim Resort, featuring Disneyland and DCA? I, I don't know when. Hindsight it, is always better. I uh, hindsight Everybody always knows better. Disneyland. You know, Anaheim is known as Disneyland, so I know that was um, that's probably. Actually, I bet you that was a hard decision to make. What the hell do we call but, it? But, you know, of course, you know, everything everything like, you know, trademark names and everything, the lawyers go through. But it was a friend, mutual friend of ours that worked on the committee that decided how they were going to name the name. A mutual a, friend of ours? A mutual friend that works, of ours. That we that, know, frontline cast members? Uh, that was in management. That worked with the committee on deciding how the, they should the, do that. You can tell me later. I'll tell you All later. All right. So, perfectly scripted. Um repeated references to the lawyer-approved term Disneyland Park. I don't know uh, that that was... Um, he almost makes it sound like he was given he, a... a You know, he's there as a public relations guy <coughs> in front of, you know, ABC News or CBS well, News, making in essence, sure... In essence, know, he is at this point. That's, 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 his, that's his job at this point, which is just one more job he has to do. So, he's, so he's, his he's job the, is to be somewhat of a hack. At times, at times, in, in, in front of the public like this, it's hack time. Right now, you know, compare that to the Lucy Goosey. I think you were with me. Maybe Mike was when we were in the studio for the first Disney Legends, um, Legend ceremony. Yeah, over, at the studio. Yeah, were you at there the, at the plaza? Yeah. No, it was. It was in the oh, studio. Oh, oh, yeah. Are you talking about the sidewalk in front of the theater with the handprints? And yeah, all that? yeah, yeah, yeah. You were there. Yeah, uh, with Mike, uh, Fred McMurray. Uh, was Fred there? Yeah, he was the first one. I thought the old nine old man. Well, anyways. Anyways. Uh, Eisner was looking for the corporate lawyer. I don't remember his name at the time. Oh, I just, he's like, I just he says, had to deal oh, with that. Uh, he must be out suing somebody. Yeah, I remember okay. that. Now, a little easier for the CEO to go off the cuff, maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'm, well, you know. Well, at that point, he's also just speaking to the fellow employees pretty of the mu- studio. Pretty much he's, just Disney people. Yeah, there were no cameras other than... You know, Disney the picture newsreel, taking. The yeah. newsreel camera, and that's it. Um, this one was a little bit more of a press event. We actually did have some outside people that were involved in this. One. Okay. So I, I don't and, and know I, that I and have I a would... problem with hearing the corporate line here. This and, I don't almost expect it to a point yeah. from him. Because of his position, he's employed, right? Okay. So let's go on for And also, I would say nowadays it's it's kind of unfair because uh, Ed has been coming back out in the park much okay, more. Okay. Well, let's let's go on and see if okay. it refers to that again. The mood changed dramatically, however, when Ed introduced his predecessor, Jack Linquist. Well, it wasn't his direct predecessor. It wasn't his direct, but predecessor. a predecessor uh, yeah. who hired in with Marty 
and worked his entire adult life for Disneyland before retiring as Disneyland's president back in 1994. Much has been said about the radical change that took place when Jack handed over the reins to his Eisner pick successor, Paul Pressler, who ushered in an era of blow-dried and prepackaged Disneyland, quote-unquote, shopkeeper presidents that was only briefly broken by Matt Omitz, was that Wee right? Weemitz, three-year return to reality. Okay, interesting, though, because Paul Pressler, and, and I'm going to put Cynthia Harrison, because Cynthia has, uh, pre yeah, Cynthia was Paul Pressler, uh, his protege. So Cynthia Harris and Paul Pressler, I will put in the same era. And then, of course, then there's Matt, and then there's Ed, okay. which now, come afterwards. We know Paul came from merchandise, Paul, Disney Paul's stores. Merchan his his entire background was merchandise. Okay. Now, so we can understand that he, he's, he was trying to milk out a little more in the merchandising in, which is stuck. Right. It's still with us far more than it used to be. Right. But it's not to say that that wasn't present at Walt Disney World far, far before Paul Presser probably even knew what Disney was or was still swirling in the ooze that eventually became him. Yeah. Well, he's a little older than that. But Pirates of the Caribbean, Walt Disney World. Opens in 19, I want to say 74 or 5. Okay. What does it do? It exits right into a shop. Right. So, well, this whole thing about every ride has to exit into a, to a, uh, well, a shop. Now, I know that that was plus it, and plus and plus. It, it, Star well, Tours. It, well, before Star Tours, Adventures Through Inner Space exited yeah. right into. The uh, old uh, character shop. Uh, um, no, it did not. It well, right beside it. Beside it. You had, Star to be, you had that big opening there. What's well, the Star Tours? Opened right into a shop. shop. Two shops, actually, right? Well, you have the Star Tours shop. First, you have to go through the Star Right, Star Tours shop, then the Star Traders. The old Jungle Cruise loaded and unloaded right next to the, the right uh, to South the Sea Trader. Imports. Or Tropical, tropical Imports. Tropical Imports. So um, there's a history of it, well, not... As much as Paul Preston well, I did. Think, I think I think the genuine... First of all, let me state, we're going into... I'm sorry, Al's Number one, he always had it in for Paul. He has never liked Paul, and yeah, he uses everything seemed, against Paul. And I don't know if he knows all of Paul's history. Paul had a really, let's say, colorful and successful history with the Disney Corporation before he came on to the park. Disneyland. And afterwards... You might say he was screwed by Eisner, which maybe Al finds as justification for what he thinks he did wrong to the Disney parks. But Pressler was built up to take over something that he, some might say you, he got screwed by he really, Eisner on. But again, and then remember when he went, he went over to um, the place you well, used to like, Banana Republic. I Banana think Republic, was. yes. And they were having some trouble. And I remember reading on Al Lutz's site yeah. how oh, he was just so here, happy. See, he's even screwing them. He shouldn't, you know, don't people here, learn? It's like, come on. It's here, not, here, let me let me go through my, my personal perspective on it. Because I really do like Paul Pressler. As, as he, I, I found him a great guy, uh, a the real gentleman. The bus thing was under Pressler, wasn't it? Get on the, the bus. bus. Remember that that whole no, slogan? No, it was not. Who was that under? That was Judson Green, who was Paul Pressler's boss. Oh, Judson yeah. Green took over for when Dick Nunes retired, and he was in charge of oh, the yeah. resorts. Or was it Judson and that also got screwed? See, Judson had been Judson with the company. Got, he had been with the company a lot longer than I then, knew. Yeah. yeah, and and that's where I was going to get at is Paul was put in charge of the park, and Judson was over was over him. 
um, Paul came in to try to revitalize the merchandise with the park. And in honesty and in fairness, I got to say some of my personal complaints I had was he kind of homogenized a lot of the merchandise throughout the park. There was a lot of individuality between the lands and everything. And that all was general, uh, generalized when you got to the Emporium on Main Street where you can see the other things from other lands into that one shop. But otherwise, when you saw Space Mickey, you only saw Space Mickey in Tomorrowland. You couldn't go into Frontierland. That was okay, Frontier I, Mickey. I know, I'm just using that as an I know, exaggerated That's a bad time. example because Space but, Mickey is not in Frontierland. Okay. But I'm using that as... But, uh, plushes were becoming the big thing. You had the, uh, yeah, plush, there's the, plush little, the beanie yeah. babies yeah. were becoming big. That was the big seller. And so we started getting a lot of plush just because that but, was the but seller. did we fault Walt for selling coonskin caps everywhere Absolutely he could with not. Davy Crockett? And, and this is where or I think... Or Mickey Mouse... And, and, what about Mickey freaking mouse hats? Yeah. From the Mickey Mouse... Does Disney not milk the fuck out of that thing? And, and that goes all where, the way back um, to Walt himself, right? But Do where, they not? Do, are they still pushing Paul, those things down our throat? Where Paul was... From the freaking TV show. Was he homogenized, in my opinion, <laughs> everything that was... We got rid of the one-of-a-kind shop, for example. Oh, right? Okay, that was well, never one-of-a-kind, I know, but, but the well, thing some is, things were. But. but the thing is, yeah, it's one-of-a-kind on the sales floor. We'll find another no, five down in the stock There room. were some antiques that were but, unique and individual. But, the thing is, but I understand what you mean. A lot of things became very similar or done the and, same and, way. But the thing is, is can you fault the guy because he is doing exactly what he was told to do? He revitalized, rebuilt it. He he started. He got he rid suddenly, of a lot of the lessees, got, Pendleton, and or and, and he did renew their contracts, whatever it was. What the other the other thing that I think was that was kind of got him in the bad spot was when he did take over Disneyland as the president, and later end up taking Judson's job as being president over the resorts, plural. Um, was he was still coming at it from a merchandising point of view, and his thing was. What's our budget? Not what do we need to put in there. Just what's our budget? Okay, cut it out wholesale cutting until we can meet it. Yeah, that he, budget. he looked at it from a a different way, not from what do we do to make the best show, but what do yeah. we have to work where, with and where, then work it that, that yeah, way. Where yeah. can we get a biggest thing? And Judson, I thought when Judson was in charge, Judson was a great, was really cool in that he was a good showman. He understood what. Understand it? Uh, he understand it. <laughs> I'll speak proper English here. But he understood. That was for our friends in the South, the, right? Thank you, yes. He understood the principles of what the show was. He understood the principle of getting the biggest bang for the be, for the best value of your dollar uh, when you're putting a, an attraction together. And I thought that would have been working real good, but then suddenly Judson was put off to the side. He got screwed by the company and was sent, uh, sent packing. And Paul was given his place. And Cynthia... And, in that case, yeah. she's not going to, and this is why I put them two together. Cynthia was Paul's protege. She's not going to change anything that Paul was already doing. And she's going, before she does anything, she was going to be talking to Paul before she did anything in the park. So that was kind of an extended. So I do find it kind of curious. He mentions this, the whole line of shopkeeper presidents. Well, that was Paul Pressler and that's Ed Greer because Matt Weemit was the only president in between them. Well, yeah. And also, you know, he goes back to Jack Lindquist, who was, when I worked there, the actual first president. The first president of Disneyland. Because we had a vice president, vice which president was uh, Ron Dominguez at my, right. all during my time. Yeah. I'm not sure about your entire time, but. Jeez. Uh, um, I want to say, yeah, he's the vice president as far back as I can remember. Because we didn't have a president, per se. Dick Nunes was, was the president out, of the res- outdoor, outdoor entertainment. entertainment, I think they call it, or theme park but you know the, the name changed a few times it after Eisner does. came in and you know did whatever yeah okay so um 
to continue with Al Putz's uh, commentary here. But that difference in tone and attitude were vividly on display that morning. As Linquist turned the event into a roast of sorts for Sklar and regaled the audience with wacky Disney history that included mysteriously dying orange groves, burning convertibles on Ball Road, mad rushes to round up enough ice and pretty girls for a suitable Disney party, the audience went from polite golf claps while Ed was at the podium to hearty laughter and enthusiastic applause while listening to Jack. Marty got in on the comedy act as well when he got the podium, yet he was quite visibly moved by Jack's gracious tribute to him. Unfortunately, the rather humorless Disney publicity department removed any mention of Linquist and his 10-minute speech from the press release of the ceremony, and TDA's mind-numbing cast communications department removed any mention of Jack from their coverage on the internal cast member TV show Which, and website coverage. Much like a disgraced Soviet general, after a rough night at the Kremlin, he was quietly airbrushed out of the official record of the event. Disneyland can be tough, even on a keynote speaker. Which is a lie. Which is a lie. So you are saying that Al Lutz, I mean Al Putz, lied? I am saying Jack Lindquist did appear on some of that stuff. And you would know, wouldn't you? Yes, I would. I was there. I watched him film it. Oh, okay, uh, but you watched him film it. Have you seen the internal cast TV uh, presentation of it? We'll take a look at it right after this show. We will. Yeah, we will. Now, I've got a few things to comment on. For one, Ed probably only knew Marty in passing and by name. Person on a personal level, not probably very well, if at all. Probably as corporate compadres, and that's about it. Unlike Linquist, Jack and Marty were pals. For over 50 years, it might be added. 54. And I would expect a little bit of glad-handing, back-slapping, and fun-making. I, I recently saw a video that one of our, our uh, listeners sent me of the um, cast member reunion, which I would have liked to know there was this group and went to this thing. And it's true. When the new corporate stiffs got up there, it was a little stiffer. They're, they're the new kids in the block, the new money. But once the old-timers got up there, oh, yeah, it was rip-roaring much different. But you're also talking about generationally two or three separations, degrees of separations of these people least, and yeah. working with each other. And, you know, yeah, it may be easy to say they're talking about, you know, the ice and the pretty girls for the suitable Disney party. The banana ball was legendary. I was going to say that. I was okay. going to use that exact example. But a much different time. Even when I started working in architecture in 1994, we had um, happy hour Friday, you might say. About 1 or 2 o'clock, the newest guy in the office had to go around and collect money from everybody in the office. It was also a way of introducing yourself to everybody in the office. You collected money. We had beer and chips for the last couple hours of the day. Um, a happy hour. Now, that lasted maybe into 1995. I don't think it went into 1996. Times change. Companies now learn that they're responsible if a guy crashes on the way home, That's if right. he's a little loaded. Um, Disney's not taking that responsibility any morning or anymore. Corporate America is a different place than it was when Jack and Marty worked there, when you had banana balls. Especially uh, in California, which is yeah, the most litigious Drinking state and smoking was a different thing it was a different time and to compare 
today's little more stoic parties is not fair. And to say that Ed and is stiff and corporate compared to these two buddies is, again, unfair. And regardless, those are not the type of things that you're going to put in a press release. We never did a press release on the Banana Bowl. Oh, absolutely not. Now, it's not to say that they couldn't have put in there something like, you know, Jack's former uh, cast member shared a few nostalgic jokes with him. Now, I haven't read the press release, so I don't know what it says. But, you know, they say he's totally cut out. Fine. They're saying that the humorless publicity department, again, we're talking about a multi-billion dollar corporation compared to what Disney was when these two worked together, where they had basically one corporate office, Burbank, California. Right. Right? They had a lot of subsidiaries, but nothing like it is today. A much different world. And, and you're talking you about know, your cast communications department was Marty. He wrote the uh, Disneyland News. I mean, it was him. I think there was one other writer and a photographer, and that was it. It's not like you have a entire division that takes up half a floor over at TDA yeah. nowadays. Yeah, now, this gets even better. So there's a picture of the window. And That's if you, a nice it, window. It, it's really, a very nice window. I haven't really walked up to it. Insominate id facit, I think if I said that right. Uh, Main Street College of Arts and Scientists, uh, science, science, sorry, established 1852, Marty A. Scalar, Dean, inspiring dreamers and this for and something. It's something it's, for tomorrow. It's reflecting, yeah. So I can't see. Yeah. Okay, <sighs> see if I can hold back on this. After the window was revealed, now in parentheses, hopefully bricks are now screened for its security. After all, let's see, after all, the man let DCA go forward, and the confetti was cleaned up, cast members and Imagineers alike couldn't help but reflect on the differences between the current executive leaders and their much more down-to-earth predecessors. Luckily, the full speech by Jack Lindquist is still available on YouTube via an unofficial video. Now, we'll stop here on this one only because Marty wasn't a one-man stopgap for anything. Uh, was he the ambassador? No, DCA was went on before he was the quote-unquote ambassador. for. Um, but again, that one person he, could not have stopped DCA. He, he was in charge of DC. Or he was in charge of WDI. But that's like saying um, the president of the United States is in charge of every law that goes through. He has an entire Congress that he has to go. Marty has the same thing. There's all sorts of people that are doing all sorts of things. His main thing is to see that that the kind of do the oversight and try to let people do their jobs, not be, you know, here, here you got, you get the question well, of, are back, you being, are back, you being, um, back up a little micromanaging? Further. They had the meeting in Colorado, the corporate muckety muck meeting where a group of executives decided what the new park was going to be when they decided Westcott was going to cost too much. Right now, Marty was probably part of that group. Right now was Marty, you know, it was a vote eight, eight to two out of 10 people. And Marty is one of the two. I don't know. Yeah. But he, as the head of WDI, was given an assignment. He was given a budget. They went over it, granted. But to say that he let it go through, I don't think is fair on one man. Right, because you got you in got, that corporate structure. You, you have a multitude of executive committees. You don't even have just one. Right. You know, going through when you're trying to plan out a very large project as an architect, how many committee meetings do you have to sit oh, yeah. through? Well, this is also, you know, he also gets unfairly blamed for the subs closing. 
supposedly he was quoted as saying, I will lay down in the middle of the harbor before I let him close the subs. Okay, again, that's easy to say, but when you really come down to it, can one man stop this? No, now one man could generate momentum possibly, but again, when Eisner or the top of Disney or whoever decides they're shutting it down, and in fact, quite honestly, that should have been or must have been a Disneyland decision. That was a Disneyland not a corporate. I mean, I because Disneyland is Disneyland is kind of their own thing. When they get handed off an attraction after WDI is done with it, it's theirs. Until that happens, it's WDI's. Right. So okay. So to continue, because I'm already you you you, you can see that. I'm not liking his choosing of language and stuff here. Yeah. Uh, and we'll forget that he's begging for money at the end with uh, PayPal. I don't even want to go into that about, uh, you know, keeping his site up <clears throat> and the bills paid. Many folks in Anaheim and Glendale contrasted the executive styles on display that morning with the moving and witty speech Walt Disney gave to the Anaheim cast members on the occasion of the park's 1965 10th anniversary at Disney at the Disneyland Hotel. The audio of that ballroom event is also available on YouTube. It has language and subject matter that would make a modern-day TDA human resources manager faint as lawyers and publicity flax run from the room in terror. I would think you would mean hacks, but flax, hacks, whatever. While the world has certainly changed since people like Walt, Dis Walt and Jack and Marty first built and then ran Disneyland, the current crop of TDA executives would be wise to try to ditch the boilerplate and speak as honestly as their predecessor spoke. Or at the very least, Disney's publicity people should avoid having the more plastic edge share the stage with a much admired old timer who knows very well or knows enough not to refer to it as Disneyland Park. Okay. Um, reality check. <laughs> This Not is for Al Putz. There's no reality, reality check. Reality check. It is the 21st century. He is the poster child and, for a Disney fundamentalist. He is um, probably on the top of the DF list. And I, I, I in will, the sense of what that means to us. I will. Right? I will agree. Have you ever heard the uh, 10th anniversary speech? It's been a while. Um, I, I should I, look I, it up again. I, I agree. Uh, it, again, this, it was. It you're be talking the about the head of the company versus uh, a division. A division head or so. Yeah. Um, and that's such a very true point, too. Walt Disney was the head of the company. Kings he can wear say crowns. whatever he the fuck, fuck he wanted. wanted. Yeah, I know. And get away with it. You know, and in fact, he could probably get away with... And now and then you hear these little comments about, you know, the girls and their skirts or something like that. Yeah. He could probably still get away with something like that. <clears throat> you know, Ed Greer doesn't take those chances. He wants and, to stay employed. He wants to... Yeah, I don't and, know. And, and, and in the meantime... You know, you're, you're talking about two different realities, and regardless of what you want to say, Ed Greer is the face of Disney as it is right now, and he has to maintain a certain decorum that is standardized throughout the company. Jack, yes, Jack is a fun guy. He's a great character, and if you ever want to, you ever want to listen to some great stories, Jack has them. Um, he's also retired. And he can get away with talking about some of that well, stuff. And again, yeah. regardless of what he says, still, even back in 1950, 1960, 70, those were still not the type of stories Disney would publish back then about what was going on. Again, I go with the banana ball example. Oh, Snow White Orgy. The Snow White Orgy. We still try to, you know, you can't cover that one up but it, because it has become such a legend. Yeah, but, but Disney it's not didn't put a press release out about it. Exactly. And I can almost guarantee you this 10th anniversary thing that you know somebody's found audio for 
was not that speech was probably not given to the public. No, it was strictly indoors. And in fact, and in those days, they probably had no thought of it ever going public. I was going to say, <laughs> you, you know how well Walt liked to have things documented. There's a lot of things that he had filmed when things were being built, when he was doing speeches and everything. He specifically did not want this recorded because he wanted to give a heartfelt speech to the cast and crew. So it was... Now, how do you know that for this sure? This was the story that was told to me by Dave Smith. Okay. Um, it wasn't I'm glad, meant... I'm glad you qualified that. It wasn't meant to be recorded. Consequently, that's why it wasn't filmed. It's just that somebody did have their recorder, and they turned it on during the speech, thinking it might be something worthwhile down the road. And it is. It is definitely something worthwhile That's not what Disneyland will do for you, but what you, but can, you do can do for Disneyland. Disneyland. Over and over again. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, uh, you know, in regards, and, and again, I'm going to go back to what, to qualify the statement that you said as well. Ed Greer has only been with Disneyland for the last couple of years. And what did he do before and, that? And prior to that, he was with Japan over at Tokyo Disneyland. And prior to that, he was over at France. And prior to that, he was in Florida. So he has been with the theme parks a while. He's been with it for 20-some years. But he's been with it on everybody else except Disneyland. And he's only been here for the last couple of years that we've been referring to it as Disneyland Park. you got to remember, when Jack retired, it was still Disneyland. It wasn't for another six more years that we were going to start calling it the Disneyland Park. So Jack's, Jack's still going to be Jack. Um, so well, I, can't, I, frank, I, frankly, I cannot... Frankly, he has nothing to lose. By I, that, just that, being, and that's absolutely And true. that's him, though. You know, that's him. Ed is a little more of a corporate type. I don't want to call and, him a stiff, but... He comes he from, has, mo you know, modern corporate America where... But he he is know. the president of Disneyland, and he, as such, he has to keep that, uh, at least facade, he has to keep that figurehead appearance. Okay. So let me back off for a second. It's uh, like the Queen of England. You don't expect her <laughs> to just go out and party. She has to be the queen. Ed has to be the president. Have you ever seen the movie The Queen? No. About how she handled that whole thing. I don't yeah. know how accurate it is, but it was interesting. Yeah. Let me ask you this, because I remember that in the day... I was day... liking the picture you sent to me of how Prince uh, Charles was handling oh, things. That was, <laughs> wasn't that funny? Um, I was um, thinking back to my days in the park. And it must have been the Judson Green time, because I was thinking of when we were at uh, the Opera House. And we sat in there for a bunch of, let's say, corporate updates. Right, yeah. um, I think the 30th or 35th anniversary is coming up. Uh, um, Ed must have spoken, or Judson spoke. Also, so did um, uh, I think Nunes was there, and definitely Dominguez was there. Right. Remember that? And they had the speech, yeah. and they had the, the teleprompters, and the whole bit. And that's when we got on the bus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it how people like Clinton and then and these guys on the bus working their way up to the 21st century, they're still talking buses. Yeah. Uh, uh, and that would be really, could you imagine Ed Greer was there? We're getting did on the bus. You, did, you, did you remember the whole Andy Mooney thing? Or did you ever see that whole list? I, I don't know. But okay. the, the you know, we're thinking, could you use a better metaphor? We're yeah. like, I think the bus already has a flat. What do we do now? <laughs> um, because that was the whole time they empowered cast members at right. committees and get back with management. And, you know, that lasted for what, six months. And then, you know, kind of yeah. faded away well, we, we gave it a shot and i think a lot of people had good intentions with it uh but it's one of those things you really got to stay on and monitor and, and when you start setting up committees and, and companies and i've done that you know you start having cad meetings we're going to do standard meetings once a week 
you do that for about a month and then someone's you know forgets and plans something here and plans, and then it breaks down for a couple of weeks and then you don't have one for two or three months it it, it gets all messed up yeah uh, it's really hard you really have to have a guy ramrod in the thing and over you all the time but what i was thinking back then is you know dominguez got up there and gave i don't want to say a stiff speech he reminisced a little bit but he pretty much gave the presentation now if you saw ed or i mean um Ron, out in the hallway, good old yuck, slap you in the back, shake your hand, yeah. how's it going? Uh, Linquist was the same way. Uh, uh, Nunes, not so much. He was a little stiffer, I thought. I picked him up from the airport a couple of times. Uh, but how is Ed, if you were to see him backstage somewhere? Uh, see, or I've, when he gives the little pep to the, do you still do the pep talks? Yeah, you know? well, you see, I, I've never been in a position where I've actually – talk to ed in that type uh, that type of manner during but i those, have i have seen where he's just as jovial and doing one of those pirate events you know we were out there and yeah. uh, um john dub and i he was yakking it up with uh guests like an everyday guy didn't yeah. seem stiff didn't seem you know i think and there's, there's, a, time there's a, a time and a place right with everything he is spending he is spending yeah. more time out in the parks well yeah. i think there's a time and place for everything when right. you really get down to it like remember when i started there noon spent most of his time in florida uh, you saw Ron occasionally in the park, but he wasn't there all the time. Link was spent a little more time in the park, but these guys have jobs to do besides walk around in the park. Yeah. And again, okay, here's that reference. When Link was president, what did Link was have? He had Disneyland Park. He had what? Disneyland. Yeah, thank you. He had Disneyland, not even the Disneyland Hotel. Nope. Oh, wait. Um, yes, I think it had come on by then. Yeah, I guess that. Yeah, okay. uh, but but see, he really didn't do that. He brought Hideo Amamiya was brought over there for Disneyland. Yeah, Hotel. I picked him up. And once. He, he was a nice guy. And he pretty much ran the show. Yeah, Hideo, he lived on property. Yeah, he uh, ran that whole thing autonomously. He lived in one of the towers, didn't he? Uh, he he lived over in was what is now the well at the old days it was the marina, now it's called the. Dreams? Tower of Joy. Dreams? I don't know. It's one of the boats, right? With the ships. Uh, let's Ship see. Names. We got Magic. Yeah, Magic and Wonder. And I have, yeah, it would be the Magic Tower that he was in. Okay. Dreams Tower. Yeah, starts so with he, dream. he lived there for a while. But, anyway, you know, it's a much different time. They had much different responsibilities. And they still have stuff to do. They can't spend all day in the park. Right. That's what the middle management, lower level guys are supposed to do, is not spend their time in the office. But be in the park. Right. Be seen. I mean, the core be, be available. You know, the one core we didn't see as much as the other. Well, the one core ended up being Disney International. And actually, a lot it was of people. completely off property. Yeah, one person didn't. A lot of people really didn't want to see the other Cora. Uh, but the guy that worked right under Cora, I can't remember his name. Volt, drove an old Volkswagen Bob Bug. Bob. I think it was Bob. Bob was out a lot. Nice and then, guy. And then later on, you had. Um... Oh, Smith. Craig Smith. That's who, Craig is who I was really Craig thinking. Smith. You know, good guy. I remember taking him once, you know, to get his car. Yeah, I'm like, I didn't really say, I think he must have, you know, inferred that I'm thinking, what are you driving a bug for? You're a corporate. He's like, you know, I, I don't really need a fancy car. Just whatever gets me to work. You know, well, that's a down to earth guy. Okay, so uh, we had to stop and cut something out and come back in. Well, not really, but we, the recorder stopped. Uh, <clears throat> Richard was mentioning we should probably wrap it up. We should probably take a potty should. break. Speak for yourself. I'm a man. I can hold it. Um, I'm a man we... and I didn't. <laughs> you you want to use that? <laughs> <laughs> I ever tell you about the guy in the airplane with the uh, empty Coke can? 
No, but I was I was watching um, that show on history about those little docudrama on the uh, uh, astronauts and getting ready for Apollo and all that. And they mm. all had different assignments. You know, uh, you're gonna see what equipment we need. You you're in charge of buttons and switches. We'll need a lot of them. Uh, <laughs> you're in charge of environmental. And so one of the I, I don't know if it was Neil Armstrong, but he's at home with his wife. Well, it's one of the astronauts, and they've got this thing. It's like a bag going to a hose and then it looks like a condom almost on the end of it and she's like reading it um take out a package flex the hose out stick the end of blank against <laughs> the receptacle and, and, and she's like in the other room you can kind of see him you know silhouetted <laughs> through the glass and she's like well he's like give me a second and then you give me a second uh, okay it's working so, you know, they're trying to figure out how they're going to do it in space. It was kind of funny. Uh, but anyway, so do you think, after going down that long list of, of Al's writing, um, do you think he's being a little uh, dramatic and unfair on a lot of these things and taking way too much credit again? Like we've always said he's done. And granted, hey, you know what? I, it's fun sometimes to say, hey, the Dream Suite at Disneyland, that was my idea. How many times did I talk about that on this yeah. show? You know, it's fun to say that, but come on. Realistically, all those I have an idea things that I've told you over and over, I put in and later things were implemented. How I'm not the only guy that well, is thinking it, on their off hours or during their hours. It was like back in the Air Force days where you were talking about uh, there has to be a spy that's looking how the F-15 is made because the MiG-23 is the exact same design. It's like... Is there, or is it just that both sides happen to have people that were thinking along the no, same? No, on that one, I think I, there was some spying going on. But, but, there, but there is similar but I know ideas what you mean. that still go through. Uh, development, um, I mean, until there's else... leaps in development, a lot of the thinking, we know so so much about aerodynamics, right? So planes are going to kind of evolve similarly, right? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, how many how many different people thought that maybe the pirate boats shouldn't be painted red, blue, whatever they were? They should look like wood. I couldn't have been the only one. Yeah. Eventually, it gets implemented. It's nice to say, yeah, that was me, but come on. It wasn't really. And to think that Putz is the one, you know, on top of all this stuff, is, you know, self-proclaimed watchdog or, you know, just the inflammatory language. He used. I, when I read that the other day, and it was mostly about Ed, and I, I'm feeling a little sorry for Ed. I don't even know Ed, but I'm thinking, okay, the park's not perfect. The park's in a lot better shape than it was. I know it was a lot to do with Matt. Uh, and a little Cynthia, right? Wasn't she? Or... Cynthia, Cynthia was a little bit more better, better of a people person than Paul was. So I will give her that. You much know, but credit you know, and trying to compare back to you can't compare anybody to Walt and Roy or even the new Roy, uh, Roy Edward. Yeah, you know, to compare to Jack and Dick and uh, Marty, different times. It's very, just yeah. you know, it's just hard to try to compare that. And when you have a press event. I don't expect them to act like a bunch of two-year-olds and tell dirty jokes. Now, the two that are roasting each other, fine. But the guy that's hosting and representing the company can't do that. You know, um, you when can't, we, you when, can't toil, take that joke anymore. There's a Catholic, a Jew, and a atheist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a, you can't do those jokes anymore. No, you can't. Um, well, not, w- not, not in a public setting. Yeah. I wish you could because I'd like to say that we, you know, we're supposed to have free speech and be able to express ourselves. Why can't we just say, "Yeah, bigot," and move on? No, we've got to, you know, got to tear the guy down in the media. We have to ask for apologies. We, there, did you say? Okay, we have all these hate crimes, right? And this is a little off t- topic, but um, there recently was a, a girl just killed in North Hollywood. Right. I don't care about this. 
I believe that she was killed by a person of color. Uh, and she is white. Yes, yes. It's not a hate crime. But no. if she would have killed a person of color and she was white, it would be a hate crime. Two, two, uh, two kids, tried as adult, were just convicted of killing a lady who gave them a ride just so they could go to Knott's Berry Farm. Right. And they just, they, the kid that was in the car, they left on somebody's porch, like in Paris. Yeah, Paris, there was an infant child. That's that was Paris, California. P E R R I S. They may get life, probably get life. That, no, they got me, 18 years, I think. Fucking kill the bastards. Yeah. Premeditated murder. To go to Knott's Berry Farm. To which, go to fucking Knott's Berry Farm, which, which isn't quite, isn't worth the drive from Paris, yeah. by the way. Um, that kind of thing drives Palm me Springs insane. To go to Soak City so, and Palm you know, Springs. call it what it is, you yeah. know? But, but anyways, you know, we, we can, sorry, we can, we sorry can, about that tangent. We can say a lot of different things here that we can get away with. But when Al you're, does that to me. <laughs> but, but when you're in the corporate environment, you really do have to mind your P's and Q's because because how many times have we seen the slightest little bit of error on somebody's words and everybody jumps on top well, that, of it? That's why I asked you, in the little dog and pony shows you have internally, is it is a little lighter, a little less stiff? or is it's, it? it's a little bit less stiff, but you still have to mind your P's and Q's. You still have to watch You it do exactly have to watch what you say. Someone's going to walk into um, uh, into employee relations and said, you should have heard what that guy said in there. Exactly. You, know? um, you watch The Office. You know exactly. <laughs> um, but... I was going to say, on the 17th, during a number of hours afterwards as we were going into the day, I ran into a friend of mine. I'm trying to remember who it was. It was somebody that... <laughs> Must not have been a very good friend, huh? you know? Jeez. <laughs> Are you one of those people um, who everybody you've seen in your life, that's my friend. Yeah, that's my friend, yeah. But I was talking with them, and we were talking about how, you know, the differences between how it was 15, 20 years more ago and how it is today. And part of the problem is we are a victim of our own success. You know, you go back 15 years, uh, you know, into the early 90s, or better yet, let's go into the late 80s before we took on the Disneyland Hotel. We were a park that when uh, you had your peak season and you had the most amount of cast members in the park, you had a little under 5,000 people working at Disneyland. And then that would go, and, and, then during the winter, that would drop down to about a little over 2,500. And that was it. We now are a, a corporation that has a steady amount of cast members of over 20,000 cast members. And it just, you know, at that point, you're going to lose the family effect. You're going to lose the pal around, carry on the conversation we talked with three weeks ago. Yeah, you're gonna forget who I am. You're I, I know who you are, but I can't remember who who you know where I remember you from type deal. Well, quite because frankly, we are such a huge. You should company. always remember everybody's name within the company. Well, I have always said always wearing a I, name tag. I, 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 I have always <laughs> said I am so lucky to work for a company that requires everybody, including the president, Ed Greer, to wear a name tag. Yeah, I get, when I first got so, in architecture, I'd walk up to somebody's desk, and the first place I worked, luckily. Almost day one, you had a business card, and most almost everybody had them at the corner of the desk. So I'd walk up like, uh, "Hey, John." <laughs> yeah. Because it took so, me a while to get used to not name tags, military name, name tag. tags, Disneyland name tag. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to be like Mike Myers and say I had a collection of hairnets and name tags because it wasn't quite that bad. <laughs> but between Disney, Knots, and the Air Force. You know, you didn't have to worry about it. You either you noticed rank, hey Sarge, hey Colonel, hey what, but you had a name to go by. Yeah, yeah. You know? Even then, you you still knew you still had the ranks, but yeah. So we are a victim of our own success, and it will never 
be like it was because we are. There's no turning. There's back. no turning back. We we're the just genie gonna, is out of the bottle. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, that sounds like uh, almost a two-hour show worth of bullshit. So, bullshit or not? I, I think it was. This was this was pretty solid bullshit. Yeah, so. almost entirely bullshit. We we we, we hope you enjoy. Uh, <laughs> you know, this might be the type of I hope show. Hope you enjoy that, this edition of Disney bullshit yeah, or not? I or no, we, maybe we should call Alputs bullshitter this, or not. This might be the type of show you might want to save for uh, a December listening to, and it's nice and cold, and you can warm around the nice steamy bullshit here. So. Yes, yes, steamy. <laughs> oh, it's just, that's a picture I don't want to have. All right, well, thanks again for listening to MiceCast minus Mike, and, well, not much of a loss tonight, but he wouldn't have had much. You know, this is like seemed more centric Disneyland, his hotel experience. Yeah. But, you know, he always has something to say, so good or, good or bad, he's... He might have called you on bullshit and something there, but uh, you know, what, not quite yeah. as bad as two weeks ago when you just got grilled. But uh, you know, luckily well. it wasn't all me that time. So again, thanks for listening. For Shaft or Pullman and Greg, we will see you in the parks. How about that? That's pretty stupid, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Start in every high school play Blew every drama teacher away Graduated first in my class at Juilliard Took every acting workshop I could And I dreamed of Hollywood While I read my Uta Hagen and studied the Bard the boards and paid my dues And got phenomenal rave reviews I knew the world was gonna love me Without a doubt I was sure that Tarantino Would be calling me on my phone Annie Leibovitz would shoot me for Rolling Stone But the years have come and gone And I'm sorry to say That's not the way that it's all worked out I'm a true Jungle Cruise ride Skipper Dan is the name And I'm doing 34 shows every day Every time It's the same Look at all those hippos They're wiggling their ears Just like they've done for the last 50 years Now I'm laughing at my own jokes But I'm crying inside Cause I'm working on the Jungle Cruise ride Critics they used to say
I was the new Thought I'd be the toast of Sundance, or maybe can. Jungle Cruise ride, Skipper Dan is the 